I'd like to talk about another aspect of relationships today. I'd like to talk about specifically friends. Specifically friends. Not just relationships, but friends. And I'll give you a quick definition for friends so we're all on the same page. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So in other words, friends bring out our best. That's part of it. Proverbs 17, 17, friends love at all times. They love at all times. When you're mad, when you're happy, it's all baked in love. Proverbs 18, 24, they carry the burden for hearing, uh, they carry the burden for your friendship. And Proverbs 27, 6, they build each other up, even with hard statements. It's, it's a build-up statement. It's not a nitpicky. You never, you shoulda, you coulda, you woulda. It's a build-up statement. Friends do those things. They build up. They make us better off than we are without them. Better off. Isn't that heavy? But, of course, now that's the biblical definition. I went on online, and I've got five definitions that somebody online thought was a pretty good definition. Pretty good. You ready? True friendship. Walking into a person's house and your Wi-Fi connects automatically. <laughs> Another one. Everyone has a friend who laughs funnier than he jokes. <laughs> Come on, you are <laughs> What did you say, Mike? <laughs> Although Mike is a very funny guy. That's the... Uh, Okay, number nine, I'm just going to stop there. Number three, there are a few things I enjoy more than picking an argument with my friend when they have the hiccups. I'm just going to let that soak in for a minute. Because if, if you've ever had somebody mad at you when they're hicking up, it is one of the best discussions ever, and it just keeps on going. <laughs> There's no end to it. I remember one time Leah got so mad at me. And I couldn't stop laughing. And she knows the time. And I didn't mean to laugh, but I couldn't stop. And then that just made her matter and matter. That was the only time Leah's ever been mad at me, right, Leah? The only time. And finally, our online help said, friends wave red flags when you have a bad idea. Real friends pick up the camera. Just, there's some truth to that. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, when, you've, when you're friends with somebody and they do something crazy, they fall down the stairs. You know, you, you, ah, you laugh at them, true? So, but let's go, let's go beyond just being a friend here. Let's talk specifically about what the Bible says about believers who are friends with non-believers. There's a difference there. We, talk, we spend a lot of time talking about disciples loving disciples, but what if somebody is not a believer and you are a believer? How do you maintain a friendship with somebody who is not a believer? What does the Bible say about that? And it does say an awful lot. <clears throat> I grew up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, where I was in a youth group. And uh, at that time, and some of you remember this era, the belief was... If you were a believer, if you followed the Lord, the teachings were generally that you need to have your own thing. Don't be friends with somebody who's not a believer. That was the belief. How many of you remember that type of mindset? If you were a Christian back then, you were only supposed to be with other Christians. Heaven forbid you hang out with somebody that's not a Christian. 
And there was all kinds of things. I remember there was a Christian musician at the time who made a spoof on that. And he talked about making sure you only drink milk from a Christian cow. Right? The real extreme of Christians hanging out with Christians. But now we're seeing a shift. Wham! The other way. Where Christians need to be friends with non-Christians. What does the Bible say? Jesus himself, our example, Jesus himself had problems with this, challenges with this, where people in society were calling him out. I'm talking about greater society. They were calling him out two times in the gospel, so different, different kind of iterations of the same story. Jesus speaks to us, and he gives his interpretation. Go ahead, Mike. Let's see what Jesus said. The Son of Man, this is Jesus talking, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, you people, all of these people up there, Jesus is talking, all you people say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber. Wine-bibber. That's a funny word. Look, a glutton, somebody that likes to do a little drinking. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is what people were thinking of him. And he's saying, I know what you're thinking of me. You think I'm a glutton, a wino, and a friend of tax collectors and, and sinners. This is what you're saying about me. He's hanging out with them. You know, it's an interesting thing. They spent so much time doing this because he was hanging out with these people that they didn't give themselves a pause to realize that he also hung out with Pharisees, the religious of the time. He was invited to Pharisees' houses, just like he was in invited to houses of tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes, and he hung out with the Sanhedrin. He was, he was truly across all groups. But the last part of that, the very last sentence, but wisdom is justified by all her children, is where Jesus is saying, this is him saying, you wait and see, what I'm trying to do. You're going to see the fruit of my time with these people. That means I am there to deliver the message. I'm going to their house to deliver the message. I'm going to their house so they hear more of the way of the truth, so they understand accurately the scriptures. He said this, so he went with the sinners, the people who were messed up, had bad time. Prostitutes, that's bad. That is a sad thing. It was sad then. It's sad now. He was hanging out with these people on the one side, and then he would turn, and he would flip, and he would hang out with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the synagogues. He covered it all. But in this case, he wanted to be known. You wait and see why I'm hanging out with them. You'll see the fruit of it. Was he the same kind of friend as he was being uh, accused of? That type of friend where he put all of their lifestyle as part of his lifestyle? No, he was a man on a mission. A man on a mission. Remember, I just went over the criteria of a friend. Now I'm going to say it again. Friend brings out the best. A friend loves at all times. Yeah, okay, we can say that Jesus looked to bring out the best. We can say that he loved them. We can say the, they look to carry the burden for hearing about their life. They look to share with you. And they looked to build up each other, even with hard words. He did those things. But we also know when he really needed support himself, he would go off in the wilderness just with some believers. He would take a few believers with him, and he would say, I'm going to go off, and I need some support. Now, that's modern-day language. But when he needed support, he went. Otherwise, he just looked to pour out what the Lord had to say to everybody. That is our best example just that is our best example on how to be friends with non-believers.
we have to have an agenda. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to go over three tips today, just three, on how to be friends with non-believers. We've seen the standard that Jesus himself had. He was friends with non-believers so he could share the faith. He'd hang out with them. People thought he was having too much fun. They thought he was doing things that he shouldn't be doing. They thought he was with people he shouldn't be with. But he had an agenda. Now, if this is good enough for Jesus, don't you think it's good enough for us? I love that prophecy today. Is the Bible your foundation? Yes, it is. Okay. Bible's foundation, I'm going to do what the Bible said, and I'm going to mimic Jesus. First tip. Protect your own walk with God. Above being a friend to non-believers. Protect your own walk with God above being a friend to non-believers. Okay, Mike, go ahead. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. The way of the wicked leads them astray. It's hard to imagine non-believers as being wicked when some of them are just the nicest people ever. There are some people who aren't believers. They are the nicest people. They're nicer than believers. Have you known these folks? They are, the, they are just the kindest, most generous people, but they don't have the relationship with God. They don't view priorities the same way that we view priorities. They need the Lord. And sometimes those really nice people can pull believers right away from the Lord in, a, in the name of being nice. Next verse, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. You know, there, a lot of other times there's folks who call themselves believers and they, they, they kind of sound like it and they, maybe they go to church sometimes, maybe they go to church regularly, but when it really comes down to it, there's no fruit in their life. We've got to watch out for those folks. We have to really take care of our walk with God. It's fragile. Peter himself the night of the Last Supper, Peter himself was told that, that night he's going to deny Jesus three times. Now, if, if your friend walks up and says, you know what, you're not going to know me. You're going to act like you don't know me three times today. You think you're crazy. But that's what Peter was told. He travels with Jesus for three and a half years. He's involved in thing after thing after thing, miracle after miracle after miracle. He walks on water for a bit before he sinks. Peter, this guy should be a, a dynamo in the faith. But he still denied Jesus three times. We have to watch our faith. We have to protect it. It's very fragile. That's tip number one. Tip number two, be comfortable with the idea of never fitting into the world's belief system. You will never fit in. You won't. You'll want to. We all want to. I think, I think people who most want to fit into the world's belief system are teenagers. I do. You want to figure out how it all goes together. I think all of us, though, ultimately want to fit into the belief system. I remember being part of a team at, at, at work, and they had the best time. They'd go out after work and have the best time together. I just didn't do that stuff. And I stood out like a sore thumb. There was always like this uh, invisible barrier, this glass ceiling. I could only be so close to them. I just couldn't do it. They knew what I believed. I never said, I'm not going with you because I don't want to do that. They knew it. It's a hard thing. Let's read, let's read the verse about this, Mike. I have given them your word. This is Jesus talking to God. Right? Jesus is praying here. So I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. There's going to be opposition. 
believers, there's going to be opposition because the world doesn't get us. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. But this is Jesus. Look what he's praying for us. But that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. We will not fit. We will not fit. There's so many things in the Bible that as believers we gravitate to. You know, the world says, do what you want in life. Define success as you go. Get a job. You'll be successful. Make the kind of money. Have Do these things. Do it as you go. The Bible says, do whatever God wants. He will define success. That is crazy in the world's eyes. What do you mean God's going to tell me what success is? That's very different. Now, we know that we need a job. We know that we need income. But even our measure of success, the world versus the scripture, it's, it's, it's different. How we raise our children, how we spend our time. Things like, you know, this is, you know what I'm talking about, gay lifestyle. The world's stance is one thing. The Bible's stance is another. And some people, I'm hearing more and more and more where churches are saying, well, yeah, yeah, the Bible's wrong here. Oh, are you kidding me? The Bible is always right. If we don't have it absolute in the Bible, we have nothing. And the Bible and the world can't coexist in terms of being uh, united. It is much easier to have a friend with an, have a relationship, friendship with an unsaved person if you know that you'll never align with them. And you embrace that fact. That's kind of scary to think about, isn't it? Knowing you won't be aligned. How many of you have gone through that? You just know you, you just couldn't align with somebody. All right. You know what I'm talking about. So let's have friendships with unsafe people, just knowing we can't align. And finally, don't give up on love and patience for them. Go ahead, Mike. Conduct yourself with wisdom. This is the Amplified Bible. I like this. I like the way it says it here. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as if something precious. Let your speech be at all times gracious and pleasant. At all times gracious and pleasant, even when they cut you off. I got a new car. I was driving. I don't want, you know, I've got like an invisible 50-yard bubble around my car right now. <laughs> you get within 50 yards, I'm going to yell at you. And I was driving, Lee was in the car, and I'm going like this. And somebody did one of those. My speech has to be right and gracious at all times. Fortunately, they couldn't hear me. <laughs> so season with salt so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. We need to take advantage of these times with people. We need to take advantage of we might be the only person that ever shares faith with them. Now, there's this expression out there, lifestyle or friendship. There we go. Friendship evangelism. It's been around for a while. It's a horrible term. The concept behind it's not bad. How many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Friendship evangelism. Some of you. Here, so here's what it is. Go be friends with somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And then eventually, they're going to see how you act. And that's going to be an example for them to get saved. The problem is, if we don't open our mouths, it's not going to make any sense to them. They're going to think we're crazy because we don't do certain things. What do you mean you don't do that? You should do that. What do you mean you don't think that's right? I think it's right. I think if love wins. As long as people love each other, anybody can get married. What do you mean you don't think that's right? 
You know, we have to open our mouth. We have to share the good news. We have to share the gospel story, the message that God is bigger than the world. And it's not just eternal life. It's daily living. We have to open our mouths. This uh, friendship evangelism thing is horrible. But again, the idea is not bad in that we need to get to know unsaved people. And we might find that they are excellent people to hang out with. As long as we have an agenda like Jesus, we're going to be great. And I don't mean a subversive, sneaky agenda. But, you know, it's all right to hang out with somebody and say, you know what, I want to hang out with you, and I'm going to tell you what, I want you to know everything I know about the Lord. You going to listen? It's okay to do that. In fact, it's necessary to do that. You know, I've gone through this. For years I worked, we had a school here. For nine years I worked in our school. I left our school, and I took a job at Northwestern Mutual, and I was there for 16 years. At our school, every day I'm surrounded by Christians, people who believe like me. Every day it was magical. It was easy. It was wonderful. If you would ever think, boy, if I could just work with Christians, there's some good things to it. I will tell you that. But it is next to impossible to find people to share faith with. I'd be in the school. Hey, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? You want to get saved? You know, they already know. But then I left and I took the job at Northwestern Mutual. Everybody there is unsaved. Nobody knows about the Lord. It was spectacular. I could tell everybody about God. I got to the point, and this is true, I got to the point I had strangers stopping at my desk to ask me about the Lord. Hey, uh, can I ask you something about the Lord? Did you, are, you go to, are you a church guy? Are you a church? Sometimes I'd mess with them, tell them it's 20 bucks, but I'll tell them whatever they want to know. But I did. I had many people stop by my desk. Many total strangers. Uh, there's a store in the company, and I remember I was went to buy a candy bar or probably a Red Bull. So I'm checking out of my checking out, and and the the cashier who wasn't even a Northwestern Mutual employee said, um, "Are you that church guy?" <laughs> well, maybe. Can I just ask you something? And there were a line of customers, and I said, yeah, I'll come back another time. She said, yeah, I really want to ask you. So I went back, and we had a 15-minute conversation about the Lord, how the Lord works, how the scriptures line up. It was a blast. Now, I had some people who were judgmental. I did. We just read that they're not going to receive us. Okay, that's fine. I've got somebody from Northwestern right now who's been reaching out, and I'm not going to tell you his name because I hope he comes here. He's reached out multiple times, and he'll usually give me a day's notice and say, God, Bruce, tickets, can you go right now? No, no. I know he wants to talk about the Lord. I know that he does. Isn't that great? We have got to find ways to share who the Lord is, the amazing aspect of the Lord, the life aspect, the salvation aspect, the life-changing aspect of the Lord. I just kicked this bag, so if you don't want a dirty bag, don't take this one. <laughs> we, have to, we have to do it, but we have got to take care of ourselves. So I'm going to tell you these three points again. Are you ready? Protect your own walk with God first and foremost. You're no good as a, as a witness if you have no Lord in your life. Number two, be comfortable with the idea of, fitting in, of not fitting into the world's belief system, because you're not going to. Embrace it. You're not going to fit. It's not going to work. So be comfortable with that. And finally, and this is why they invented staplers, don't give up on love. 
Don't give up on patience for them. If you need to keep going back, keep going back. You know, some of the most exciting testimonies in sharing faith are when we share faith with people who have been just dumping on us for years. And then all of a sudden, they come back and they say, you know what, I think I kind of want to hear what you're talking about with this whole Jesus thing. That is really exciting. When somebody is so mean, and then they come back and they want clarity. Has that ever happened to you? And you kind of walk away going, whoa, what just happened? I thought they didn't like me. They want to know more about me. Whoa. I had a lady, and I mentioned this lady before in an interview. She asked me my, this is illegal. She asked me about my stance and the Lord, and if I was going to bring it to the workplace and all this sort of thing, because she had heard. But then by the end of it, by the end of our time together, she would regularly stop by my desk and say, now why do you believe this and why do you believe that? I found out that she's the daughter of a Baptist minister. And she had entirely walked away from the Lord. She had forgotten many of the the biblical base concepts for relationship with the Lord. She just wanted to talk, but she she didn't want me to jam it down her throat. She wanted to talk in her own sweet time. Took us a couple of years to get there, and she was an odd duck. I got to tell you that she was an odd duck. (laughs) We're all kind of odd ducks. My mom, my mom likes to call me odd. If you haven't, you haven't said it for a while. Jim, you're just so, you're odd. You're odd. But it's okay. It's good. You're unusual. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When your own mother calls you odd, you must be odd. So I call, I say this lady's odd with some affection, but we have got to recognize our friendships and know how we value friendships with believers versus unbelievers. Now, keeping it very simple today, so I can talk more about this later on and next week. You know, a number of folks are gone today. It's Labor Day weekend. We got a lot of people missing. So do me a favor. When you see them next week, or if you see them during the week or talk to them, say, man, oh, man, you really missed the best sermon I've ever heard Jim preach. You should have been there. It's not going to be as good next time. So I'm just kidding. Don't say that to him. <laughs> next week, we'll talk more about this. I do, I do know we're surrounded by people all around us, and some of you are lonely. And you're looking for companionship. At some point, we all go through this. It is okay, it is okay to find a friend that's non-believer and get him saved. Go for it. I think it's wonderful. You can find the very best friends out there. Share faith with them. If you've already done this before in your life, that doesn't mean you're done for the rest of your life. That means you know how to do it now. Do it again. So please stand up if you would. The Lord is very, very good to us, isn't he? Always. Father God, we thank you for the chance to be here. It's Labor Day weekend, Lord. We know a lot of our folks, or a lot of our family is out traveling. Keep them safe, Lord, please. Bring them back well with good stories, and we can enjoy the fellowship with them. And God, I just pray for the rest of our time, for our fellowship here, that it goes well. There's a lot of encouragement. People get to know each other better. We pray for relationships here, Lord, that deeper friendships are established or grow. We thank you for the model, Jesus, that you gave of of being uh, a friend in the world and what that means, how far we can go and how far we can't go. God, we pray for protection on people and wisdom on people as they're out sharing faith. It's a very cool thing to share, share your story, Lord. We pray for that. Lord, please be blessed by all of our activities and what we do. We thank you very much for the call in our lives to be with you. We thank you very much for the call in our lives here. 
in this, in this church family, Lord. In Jesus' name.